more of him and more of his word. And This has been our life is to look to him to feed our souls and to bring us to the place that he'd have us to be. And I appreciate a, a Wednesday night. So many, many Wednesday nights have sustained me over the years. Years and years and going on Wednesday nights when it's hard. But I am glad that somehow the Lord created a little discipline in me somehow to go whenever I could and give me the liberty to to not be condemned when I couldn't. That's a wonderful thing. When God gives you peace in your heart and you you know you're genuine and you're not living for someone else. You're living for him. I like to just maybe kind of quiet ourselves. I like to read a scripture and maybe we could sing that little chorus, Only Believe, before we um, approach the Word of God. It's only going to be by the grace of God that we do believe. Yes, that's right. But if we can believe, all things are possible. Let's just sing that over a couple of times just before we read our scripture tonight. to read from this book of 2 Kings and the 11th chapter. 
just a short portion of scriptures, maybe just a few to introduce a little thought this morning if the Lord or this evening if the Lord will help us. Second Kings chapter 11 and the first verse. And when Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all the seed royal. But Jehosheba, the daughter of the king of King Jerome, sister of Ahaziah, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him from among the king's sons, which were slain, and they hid him, even him and his nurse, in the chamber from Athaliah, so that he was not slain. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for your word, and we look for you tonight to quicken your word to our hearts, Lord, to move on our behalf to give us what we have need of this evening in this midweek service. We love you so much, Father, and we trust that you'll provide as you always have. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Tonight, if you're not familiar with Athaliah, Athaliah was the daughter of Jezebel. And uh, Brother Branham comments on this in the Seven Church Age book, and actually he gives a little more dramatization in this story when, when he was preaching the Seventh Church Ages. And I always think it's very beautiful uh, to to be a student of, of both of the both of the seven church ages preached and the seven church age book. Uh, because if you are a student, you'll, you'll see that there's many things that he preached that he uh, uh, condensed in the book. And there's some very colorful things in the preaching of the seven church ages. Uh, that you just, it's hard to get them here, but it's also hard to capture them. So I chose uh, this book because it's a little more uh, concise. So I'll read you a few paragraphs from the Thyatiran Church Age. And in this Thyatiran Age, she is a dominating female. She is Mystery Babylon. She is the great whore. She is Jezebel, the, fa the false prophetess. Why? Because the true female is submissive to God. Christ is her head. She has no word but his, no thoughts but his, no leadership but his. But what about this church? She has cast out the word, destroyed the Bibles and worthy essays of the godly. She has slain those who would preach the truth. 
She has taken over kings, princes, and nations, controls armies, and insists that she is the true body of Christ and that her popes and the vikers of, are the vikers of Christ. She is entirely seduced by the devil until she in turn has become the seducer of others. She is the bride of Satan and has produced his bastard child religions. Although the dark age, all through the dark ages she has dominated. For over 900 years she plundered and destroyed. She killed the arts, destroyed the science Sciences produced nothing but death until the light of the truth was almost entirely gone out and only the barest silver of light remained. Sliver, excuse me. Only the barest sliver of light remained. The oil and the wine had almost ceased to flow. flow. But though she dominated the world kingdoms and demanded that all men find their citizenship in her, there was a little group who belonged to God and their citizenship was in heaven and them she could not destroy. But God kept this little flock. They could not be destroyed. This church of Rome was as heathen and wicked as Queen Athaliah, who tried to destroy the royal seed and almost succeeded. But God preserved one. And of him there came more of the faithful. So God preserved a little flock in that long, dark night. And of their truth, there finally arose a Luther. Anyone who knows anything at all about the Roman Catholic Church and its church in the Dark Ages, there it is. There's something very interesting about this that when Brother Branham preaches this uh, in his church, he begins to talk about how the difference between Judah and Israel. So you as Bible students understand that, that the ten tribes over here were Israel and they were led by Ahab and Jezebel. So Jezebel took a worldly woman for a wife who wasn't uh, in the faith at all and she was the daughter of a priest and she had worldly ways and when she came into Israel she had no uh, intention of converting or we would say being born again or submitting herself to God, but she had her own religion. But she came into Israel and she began to pollute Israel with her uh, unbending ways and her position gave her that wedge or that way uh, into influence. And that position that she had was by marriage. And that marriage was made for political reasons to strengthen the kingdom. So it, you know, maybe to the logical mind, it, it, it may have seemed all good to, uh, you know, 
make this union among the nations and Ahab thought, well, I'll marry that daughter from over there in that nation and that'll kind of give us a bond and peace and we'll all get along fine and we'll be more secure because we won't have an enemy on that side. And then Jezebel came in and she just started all of her wicked ways and she totally perverted these ten tribes of Israel. But over here was Judah, and these two tribes of Judah and Benjamin, they were not over here in Israel, and they didn't go off into idolatry. So although they had their backslidings and their failures, but they hadn't gone off after Baal like Israel had, and they, uh, they were separate from Israel, and they were over here, uh, and, it, and the only way that Jezebel could get influence over here in Judah was she had one of her daughters, this Athaliah, married over here to Jerome, I, I believe it's pronounced. But so a little earlier in Kings, I think it's... Uh, 8 and uh, 20, just go back a, a little bit. In the 12th year of Joram, the son of Ahab, king of Israel, did Ahaziah, the son of Joram, king of Judah, begin to reign. And then in the 2 and 20 years old was Ahaziah when he began to reign, and he reigned one year in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Athaliah, the daughter of Omri, king of Israel. And he walked in the way of the house of Ahab and did evil in the sight of the Lord, as did the house of Ahab. For he was the son-in-law of the house of Ahab. So, you see, he was son-in-law, so he had this also this union, and that's how that that Influence got over here in Judah because of that connection. So when Jehu uh, was anointed of the Lord to clean up Israel and to make all these things right and bring the vengeance and the word of God against the house of Ahab, then he went on to purge Israel of the, of the worshipers of Baal. And in all of this purging, when Athaliah saw that her son was dead, now these women, these kings, had more than one wife, so they had many heirs, potential heirs. The, they had sons of these other wives that could also be an heir. But she saw that her son would not be an heir, and so she did this heinous thing to kill them all. If hers couldn't be the, the reign, if, if she couldn't have her way and her will and, and see her offspring rule, then she said, well, we'll, 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 we'll kill them all. And however, there was one that got hid away. 
Now, when you listen to this preach, it's very amazing because then Brother Branham comes forward and he talks about Catholicism and he said it dominated everything. And, and then you, you had these Catholics, you have the Orthodox, you know, you have the English Church, the, the, the you know, Church of England, and all of that was just all lined up with that mother harlot. But out, he... he he goes a little bit different here than what we read, and he makes this parallel to the evangelicals. And he said when Luther came forth, Luther broke that yoke of Catholicism, and he cut those ties to Rome and that dominating church, and they, these evangelicals came out of that, and they were preaching different doctrine and a whole different kind of experience. And a, and a they they had a message and a gospel that was far removed from this Catholic uh, dominating thing. And Luther came out and said, "You know, it's it's not by uh, you don't measure your life by church." and by uh, these uh, sacrifices and offerings and penance and you know, making pay payments for sin. And he said, away with all of that. The just are going to live by faith in God. Real simple. Relay lay again this foundation that the just live by faith. Amen. So the gospel says that, that by faith in God, Christ, we have peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. We have peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ. In that perpetuation that Christ made for us, we're completely trusting in that. Amen. So, it might sound like it says, well, we're saved by faith, and then you want to analyze your faith and, and evaluate your faith. No, your, your, your faith is in Christ, and you're believing that he's your righteousness. In him, that, that, that's how you become a benefactor, and that's, that, 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 that's how you have your, insur your inheritance, and, it's, and all your hope is in Christ. So this is a very evangelical concept that Luther brings here. And then Wesley comes and he says, well, you know, it's got to be more than just a profession. You know, you, you, we need to see this faith that you have. Like James said, show me your faith without works and I'll show you my faith by my work. So somebody's going to look at your life and you can look at your own life in the mirror. And I, and I might be repeating myself, but I saw this very wonderful quote on a mirror and it said, don't be so worried about your reputation, but worry about your character. And I thought, my, sometimes we just, in such a social environment, in such a church environment, we get all huffy and we don't want anybody to tarnish our reputation, you know. I don't want anybody to say anything, you know. We want to be all upright. Well, forget about that. You, you need to look in the mirror. What kind of character does that person have right there? And your character is who you are when no one else is around. 
But it's okay because when you really get under fire and when everything's falling around, you really feel pressure. And if you know in your heart that you love the Lord, that'll keep you. Like David, he got to a place he just had to encourage himself in the Lord. I don't know if the Lord will lead us to a little testimony. I, I just wanted to have some Bible before I gave any testimony. Uh, it's kind of hard to, you know, be a guest preacher here because Brother John, he just tells you, you know, he says, give testimony, give some of your experience. Give, you know, he says, we want it all. You know, and I'm thinking, oh boy. So, but anyway, let's, let, let's get on this thought here and follow what Brother Branham was saying. So Brother Branham said that these, this, this, these evangelicals, they went on, they are now as Judah is to Israel. If you think of churchanity, if you think of the whole globe of Christianity, these have gone off to idolatry. They would be like the ten tribes of Israel this Catholic system and all that cold, dead religions. But these evangelicals over here, they're like Judah. They're, they're holding on to these evangelical concepts of being born again and living a sanctified life and having faith only in the word of God and Christ. And so they're over here. And so the way Brother Branham shows this picture, and you can go listen to it on tape, he starts showing this Catholicism and, and that darkness as Israel gone off with Jezebel to total idolatry. But these over here, they're not in idolatry. They're, they're separate. And we have all of these evangelicals. You know, I mean, Luther, Wesley, you know, Pentecostal, Methodist, all of these groups that are holding to faith in Jesus Christ and, and separate from all of that. And so, Brother Bram says, but how did this influence of Jezebel get over into this group? How did this group start getting polluted with that religion that was over there? And he said they started to make these unions. Now, we are a very social creature. And if you are going to live for God, if you're 13 or 57, it don't matter. If you're going to live for God, it's going to be one-on-one. -on -one and you're going to stand accountable before God, not before the church and all the, you know, your association and family, but... By the new birth, you've committed your life to Christ and you took your vow to him and him alone. And that's what Brother Ram said right here in the church's book. He says, she, uh, she has no word but his, no thoughts but his, no leadership but his. So that's what that individual does. And we are all individuals that have been given an ear to hear. So in the book of Revelation it says, unto, unto the church of Lady Osea, write these things. And 
He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church ages. So we, we know that that's an individual affair. He that hath an ear. Uh, you know, even if you didn't go so far as, as the message of the hour and, and, and the messengers of these church ages, but just if you were in an environment, which I'm off time is, the, the Bible is the spirit of the Lord. It's the word of the Lord. And you see that people don't have an ear for what the Bible says. So, so you recognize that an individual that takes the Bible as their absolute, if you, if you pick up this Bible and say, I believe this is the word of God and this will be my absolute, you are a very elite person by that faith believing that this is your ultimate. And go out there in Christianity and find out that when you really get on the word of God, well, they don't believe it's their absolute. Now they believe it's written by man and, you know, they'll start regressing or stepping back from their original profession and they'll say, well, that part's not inspired or, you know, and so they'll start backing off. So what Brother Branham starts talking about here is this spirit of the church having a greater voice than the spirit of the Lord to the individual. And my, are we immune from any of that? Are, are, are we social creatures? Do we not want to fit in? You know, I often think of this, you know, traveling. The Lord made me in this great puzzle of his body, the body of Christ. The Lord made me a certain shape. And I'm never going to change that shape. I mean, I can exercise more, but I, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this, the way that the Lord cut me out. And I have a certain temperament, and I have a certain character, and I have certain gifts. Everybody does. Everyone that I'm looking at this morning, you're unique because God made you the way he did for a purpose. And he knew that. As we often say, and I've, I know you've heard many preachers say this, but when you were born, you know, were the angels in heaven looking over the banisters and saying, hey, look at curly hair. You know, can you believe that? Well, God wasn't surprised that you had curly hair. He knew you were going to have curly hair. He knew what color eyes you were going to have. And, and more than that, he knew what kind of temperament you were going to have. He knew what kind of personality you were having. He had all that in his mind when he knew that he'd have a church at the end time that would be faithful to him. And he knew you'd be that way, and he made you that way for a purpose, and he made it so it's you and him alone. And there's many places in your walk that only you and him can go. And Brother Tony Zabel had that dream, and a, Brother Brown said a dream, dream interpreted is, thus saith the Lord. And a dream that's not interpreted is a dream. okay. You know, we can put our own interpretations. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say this, but 
So, we'll get there. I know I'm, I'm a, probably one of the slowest preachers you'll ever hear. So this spirit, this Athaliah spirit, came over here amongst these evangelicals who believed in the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the leading of the Spirit of the Lord, and they believed that as something very real, and I'm going to use the word tangible, in their life. Now, your financial planner come over to your house, and we had a couple one time in the church that we thought they were coming over for dinner. Well, they, they, they made a living. They were financial planners, and so they came over for dinner. We had nice fellowship, and then kind of at the end of dinner, it kind of got quiet, and they're like, uh, okay, so let's talk about your finances. What do you do with your extra money? And we said, well, uh, you know, buy groceries. We buy, we, we buy groceries that we couldn't normally buy, right? We got a little extra. And so it kind of worked out that there wasn't much to talk about, you know, because there wasn't no savings. There just wasn't anything extra, so there wasn't going to be any investment. Now, I'm not advocating that, but I have lived in a realm where I am fully expecting that God will take care of me. And thank God I had a wife like that. That's just the mercies and grace of God. But I tell you, that kind of independent thinking will keep you from cowering down to anything. We don't have to go to any church and, 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 and make flatteries and, and uh, you know, uh, what did Paul call uh, fairness of speech and try to keep any kind of a union or, you know, fellowship going for any kind of financial thing. God provides for his Preachers by the tithing of the people. You don't have to go around the country and take up offerings every time you go someplace. No, the tithes pays the preachers. So, now, this spirit of Athaliah came over into these, over into these evangelicals and they started surrendering their evangelical uh, principles. One by one, they let go of these things that they, uh, just a principle of something they stood on. They, they began to let go of this, and they began to be dumbed down Remember Brother Brown said that man with that three-corner stick? And he said every time that woman would get up, and, and, and he said that it looked like it should be my father, but it wasn't. And he said it looked like, uh, and he felt so bad for this woman that he's, she would start to get up and he'd beat them down with that triune stick. And he said that was the Trinity doctrine that would just keep them down. And he said his faith muscles started getting really strong. And finally he said, hey, you keep doing that. You'll have to deal with me. And he looked at his muscles real big. Yeah. Oh, my. This isn't fairy tales to me. I can see this in my life when my faith starts raising up and say, hey, wait a minute. I don't have to cower down to nothing. I don't got to be afraid of nobody. I don't have to be afraid of the future. I don't have to be afraid of the past. 
I'm living now. I've got a God that's going to take care of me, and I'm living for him, and I answer to him, and, and I don't have to stand all of the critics. I'm passing through that hall. But this, you have to hear Brother Branham say it, but this Athaliah spirit came over here and started dumbing down these evangelistics. And they started this uh, idea of a priesthood and education and theology and that the preacher goes to school and somehow he's going to get above you and he's going to know more than you do. And they're going to, in their own mind, they're going to feel like that they are the ones that are going to bring the ark across the river. But what is what happened in the Old Testament? How far did the Levites go? Halfway through the river. You know, sometimes you hear things and you're like, wait a minute, is that how that is? And then you go read your Bible. I remember one time I came back off a trip and I'm sitting right, what does it matter where I am? The only thing is, is that I, I bookmark a lot of times the wrong places. Instead of knowing what tape it is and what year and what paragraph, I know where I was when I heard it. And I don't know if you're ever going to, you know, get Reverend McGarry to be any more, you know, legit than that. But I sat on my porch and I, I'm reading my Bible and I had heard this big sermon and how that it was the it was the preachers that are supposed to go into the land. It was the preachers that are supposed to go get the revelation. It's the preachers that are supposed to bring all this to the congregation. And, you know, he said, it was the, Le- the Levites who crossed into the promised land first. You know, they got to go over there into the promised land and get the grapes first. And man, it sounded good. I was, you know, like everybody's rah-rah. And I'm reading my Bible. I'm like, wait a minute. The Levites stood in the, in the middle of the river and the people crossed over. It didn't fit the type. Brother Brown said the, in the, the reason that the age got so dark when the message of the hour came, everybody, the, the ministry and the laity had, had gotten so far off from the original gospel that the gospel that he was preaching sounded strange to them. You know, there is only one gospel. And this message is not another gospel. So why in the world do we hear this sound like, you know, this is all a whole brand new thing? No, it is not. It's the original gospel restored. Oh, who it was? One of your brothers or somebody was preaching about Zerubbabel. Remember, and Brother Branham in that tape, and I I used to preach, I don't know if I preach it here, but used to love to preach that in Zechariah 4, where where it's Brother Branham's talking about in the message of grace. And he says that Zerubbabel, you know, he didn't understand that vision of those two. Uh, trees and the angel asked him, what's, what's it saying? And he said, it's not by power and not by might, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And he said, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation 
And those hands will bring the capstone. And so Brother Branham, he says that, that if you'll notice, I think he says, put on, if you'll put on your spiritual jacket or says something like that. He said, if you'll notice, Zerubbabel is a type of the seventh church age messenger. And oh my, it just fits perfect. What Brother Branham had to lay again the foundations of what the real gospel was. And he brought forth the capstone. He said, not the cornerstone, the capstone. And he did that screaming, what? Grace, grace unto it. My, if we could just keep that in our life, how much of the grace of God it is that we can even believe that we can live where we live, have what we have, that God by his grace has pulled us out. How much should that make us look at the other guy and say, there's grace for you too. It's not complicated. Brother Brown said, just when you're working and you get thirsty, then you think, well, maybe the guy next to me be thirsty. And I've seen that in construction too. You know, you go get some water and you just think, well, I'm going to go grab me a bottle of water. And then you come over by the other guys, you know, you're just, and they're kind of like looking, that's a great idea. Well, I could have brought them a couple too. Yeah. It, it, this gospel isn't complicated. So that <coughs> spirit came over and started to create this priesthood. Thank you. For years, I listened to tapes from 65 backwards, and I don't know, just stayed in these certain years. And so now, with the technology and the tapes being such better quality and things being so much, I like to go back to these 53, you know, go go back there. Because to me, it's just as much a part of it. It's just one message. This is how God sent the message of the hour. All the way from back in, and I, I, I know the first ones kind of recorded are 47, but I think there's earlier back. But Brother Bram said this in Resurrection in 1950. He said, I'm sorry to make you wait. Oh, must have moved on me. Oh, just thought I had it right there. Didn't mark the. Well, I always like to read something that Brother Branham said. Um, I always think it's a blessing, and I, uh, I hate to not do my job. I just, I'm going to have to paraphrase it. It's, it's, it's in the first part of the resurrection, 1953, preached in, on December 5th in West Palm Beach. And he said, if, if education would make you more in love with God, I'd be off to college right away. But he said, the biggest hindrance to the gospel that I know of is education. 
And, and it made me think of how that it seems like in the day and hour that we're living, a lot of times people are getting dumbed down by a certain kind of religious intimidation that gives the idea that you can't hear and learn of God yourself, that it has to be explained or interpreted. And sometimes I worry in the generation coming up if they're getting the same revelation that I did, I'm not comparing everybody's relationship like mine, but when I was 19 years old, I recognized Brother Branham's voice as being God speaking to me. And I recognized that that's what's going to make me grow spiritually is listening to that preaching. Now, that doesn't take one iota off of going to church and fellowshipping and preachers boosting you up and and, and, and bringing some highlights on the Word of God and everything, but as an individual student of the Word of God, I knew that I needed to read my Bible and listen to tapes. Amen. It was a lifestyle for me. I drive home, I remember when Brother Joseph first started those boxes, and I don't know, there's 12 or something tapes in there, and I, I think they were somewhere around $35, and 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 when you paid for one set, then they would send another one. And I remember driving down my road, down Sunset Boulevard, before they moved my address. I went overseas and I came home, my address was different. But I would drive down, I had put my mailbox on the other street. But I'd drive down that big long street and I would be looking at my mailbox to see if that box was hanging, because it wouldn't go in the mailbox, they'd put a rubber band around it, and I'd be watching for that box to be hanging on my mailbox. I'd go, yes, fresh, more tapes. I heard a man say, the young man the other day said, that when he was, I was taking him around, and a lot of times he'd give his testimony, and he'd say, well, I, I was baptized. You know, they ask a question like, you know, how'd you come to the Lord, or... I don't know, you know, different people ask different questions. They just kind of want to know something about Christian life. And he kept saying, well, I was baptized such and such a time. I was waiting for more. Like, and? <laughs> you were baptized and? And it's a very wonderful thing to get on this subject of water baptism because that, that whole oneness movement Yes, they did have the revelation of baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. And you say, well, I thought that was one of the mysteries or what, what Brother Brown restored. Well, they had that, but they believed that the Bible said, he that, is, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So they believed that you weren't even, you weren't even saved until you were baptized. So that's why when you'd have meetings or outreach things and you get around those brothers, they got a tank right there and they tell the people, now don't, now don't you go home tonight without being baptized. If you gave your heart to the Lord, you need to get baptized right now because you could get a wreck on the way home. You know, because they believed in that water baptism. And when you trace that back, 
That's where infant baptism came from. Because why would you, you know, if, you're, if your salvation, if it's, if it's water baptism that takes away the original sin, which is the teaching of the church, and that's one of those Athaliah things that came over amongst the, uh, over to the evangelicals and saying that it was the water and faith. And Brother Branham said if it's, it's just the blood and nothing but the blood, it's not the blood plus anything, it's not the blood plus your works, it's just the blood. Amen. And if it's that plus anything else, Jesus Christ died in vain. So what happened with that teaching about baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus, it got married to another doctrine that it was believing and the water that there was salvation. And without the water, there wasn't salvation. But Brother Brown taught us different. So... Why would you say all that, Brother Dennis? Because if, 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 if there's a young person or a believer or a convert or something that's saying, well, I was baptized, I'm good. One faith, one Lord, one faith, one baptism was not water baptism. No, it's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's the baptism that makes you part of the body of Christ is being baptized with his spirit. That's what baptizes you into the body of Christ, is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Okay, all of this pretty elementary things, but... He said that that spirit came over amongst the evangelicals and they began to surrender the things that they stood for. And I just see that in the world that we're living today. You are going to have to be tenacious. You're going to have to be like a bulldog. Uh, what do you say? Those pit bulls. And you're going to have to see it in the word of God. And you're going to have to go to your closet and, 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 and find the... That place with God that you know that what, where you're at is where he wants you to be at. Yeah. And there's going to be some struggle in this day and age that we're living in to hold to the original gospel. And it's going to come from without and from in. There's some gospel song that we sing that, that these arrows from without and from within. And every Christian knows you've got the battle on the outside and you've got the battle on the inside. But this Athaliah spirit is a religious spirit. And that's what makes this so treacherous. That's why you've got to go to the Savior and you cannot depend that what's going, the contemporary thing that's going on today, that that's, you know, uh, generally accepted, this is the gospel. Oh, no. Oh, no. No, you better find your place with Christ and, and, and use that ear that God's given you, that ear that hears. 
I remember there used to be a book out that was, What Would Jesus Do? And I believe I read it years ago, very popular. But would a person err, would a person, do, do you feel like a person would be in any way less a Christian or if they said to themselves, what would Brother Branham do? Why, why couldn't we do that? Why couldn't we come up to the day and the hour that we're living and the example that God gave to us, Paul was not ashamed to tell the believers in his day that God hath chose to reveal his word in me first and to make me an example to you. And he wasn't ashamed to tell in those letters that God chose him to be an example. So how would it do us in our lives to listen to these tapes and get acquainted enough with Brother Branham and his life and his ministry because his life was a sign. I preached out of Ezekiel 12 and 20 last Sunday where Ezekiel, the Lord told Ezekiel, say unto the people, I am your sign. Somebody told me in a conversation, said, man, you're always in the Old Testament. <laughs> well, actually, they said, we heard you preach out of the New Testament. We thought, what are you doing over there? But Ezekiel said, I am your sign. And, and because the Lord had he told them, he said, go out and dig from under the wall. He said, dig out in their sight because you're living amongst a rebellious generation. And he said, dig out of there as one that's going to captivity and take your stuff and do it in front of them all. And, and that was a sign to the people that they're going into captivity. And so Ezekiel was their sign. But Brother Branham taught us that this Elijah ministry, his life was a sign. It, did, he not, did he not teach this? He said he, that... that he was a lover of the wilderness and he uneducated and didn't come from the system and all of these things. And so his life was assigned to us. So why are we expecting that we should be able to group up and feel cozy and everything's good? Why, why wouldn't we think that God would take us to some wilderness places? where we need to sort things out with him one-on-one -on -one and figure out where we're standing and know who we are and what we're standing for and we're not surrendering any of our evangelical principles, any of the things that Brother Branham thought, taught, we can endure and we can endure for a season, but when it comes to a place where you've got to surrender your stand, that's where I check out. And I'll, I'll bear with it, and I'll bear with it. I know Brother Branham said, sometimes you go way out there to win somebody, and, and I, I, I know it from things happening overseas where you dig around the tree, and you dig around the tree, you're, you're trying to win that person. But don't ask me to surrender what the prophet of God said. Don't ask me to surrender his example. 
That's why teenagers don't run the church of the living God. So, praise the Lord. Isn't it wonderful to know that God can keep you? And I've learned that. Yeah, see, I got this call. 7.30? Is that right? Okay, so that's 9. So it's time to go home. All right. Well, it's true. 7.30 to 8. So now it's been an hour. So I'll just close, give you a little testimony. I wanted to tell a few things about the work, but I'll just tell one story that was uh, kind of a milestone to me. I'd been living in Europe for several years, and we were, the Iron Curtain had just come down, and. Uh, that's why we moved there, because all those communist countries would be now open for the gospel. And, uh, we started traveling these places and preaching, and at that time there was no office uh, for spoken word or voice of God recordings. And we were, uh, the church, my father-in-law and some of the brothers there, were distributing the books um, they would be sent with a sea container over to Holland. And then uh, everywhere that I went and preached, I would bring books and tapes and whatever we had, and we would do this distribution work. And One time I went to preach in a place called Gdansk, which was the uh, home of Lechluenza in Poland when the revolution came. And I was, I was going to go there and have some meetings and bring uh, uh, some materials and... When I left in the morning, uh, the, the, the brother in charge said, we won't be supporting this trip. And things have changed, and uh, you know this is not a, uh, a, a trip that we've planned with the organization that is now being set up to distribute. And it was a real shocker like it was always like we're in this together and there here's a you know here's some money for expenses and and blessings and it just changed all of a sudden to well uh you know have a good trip but we're we're not supporting this anymore so i'm driving listening to brother branham talk about communion and you say, well, why would I mention these things? Is this a bunny trail? Well, it's very much a part of the picture to me because when, the, when, when, you, when you get a blow, then it seems like the Lord's always close by to talk to you. Right. So you'll take a real hit. And I'm listening, and Brother Brown's talking about the difference between how Catholics take communion and how a believer takes communion. And, of course, being Roman Catholic and taking communion for years, and he says they take it hoping and he said, over here, they're, it's out of thanksgiving and thanking the Lord and being part of it. And this other one is, you know, hoping. And so I get to Gdansk and I realize you are really naive, Brother Dennis. Gdansk is a huge city. And I was thinking in my mind it was more like village size. And I thought I was going to drive in, you know, or maybe a town. I... I 
say, a town, and I thought, well, I'm going to show somebody the address, and I'm going to get to it, and when it came over the hill, I'm just going, wow. And it was rush hour traffic in the evening, and I didn't know what to do, and I thought, man, this is, this is, this no uh, maps, okay? Everybody who thinks that you could punch it in, that was not in the days of punching in Google Maps. But I pulled over, and I, I ended up pulling right behind the police, and I thought, well, maybe I'll ask the police. And I didn't have Polish language, had a few words of German. And he liked my passport. He had never seen an English, I mean, an American passport before. And he thought it was really cool. You have to remember that they were separated. For 50 years, they've been separated from the West. So anything from America and, and Western Europe was taboo. So the common people, they're interested now. The wall has just come down. And he shows his buddy, he goes over to his buddy who was parked up there, and he says, look at this, you know, we got an American here. And uh, he come back and asked me where we're going, and I showed him the address, and so he puts on his sirens, and his buddy puts on his siren, and they take me through all of that traffic in that big city, and they bring me right to my address. Well, when I get to the address, I go knock on the door, and the sister says, you know, my husband's not home. They had problems with the trains. And so, you know, I don't know what to tell you. You can go to another brother's house in this other uh, city nearby. And we're not really communicating like that. It's kind of sign language and thing. And she comes out in the hallway and she draws on a piece of paper, like a piece of butcher paper, probably maybe from her kids or something. And she draws a graveyard and a bridge and you know, over the bridge, and then she puts hosp hospital and, you know, fork in the road and not that fork and this one. And, and so I got the scroll, the, I got the map, and I'm trying to identify my way. Well, I get to the place. I'm, you know, praise the Lord. But it's night, but it's now it's nighttime. It's, it's late at night, or, well, not so late, but anyway, it, it's getting toward night, and I'm driving around this town, and there's no streets. Uh, all the, they used to have them on the sides of the buildings, but then the vines grow over and they fall off. And hey, everybody in town knows the streets, right? So it's not like it's a tourist town or something. And so you can't see, you know, it's hard to get orientated, but I did see a couple of guys. And so I, I go to them, and man, praise the Lord, they're really friendly. And I think, Right on, you know, they're going to help me out. They're just really jovial guys. I'm like, get in the car. I show them, you know, the address. And they're like happy, you know, and I'm thinking, well, maybe they're like the police, you know, happy to see an American. Well, when they got in the car, I realized why they were so happy. You know, they were skunk drunk. And so they take me through town, and I, I'm thinking they're taking me to the address. They're, no, I'm taking them home. And when they get out of the car, they just say, go this way and that way and this way and over there and over there. And I realize I've been had. And so I drive around a little more, and I come to this place where I'm thinking, OK, I'm probably going to have to sleep in my car and wait for daylight and try this again. And I, I I'd never had a diesel before. The brothers in Germany gave me a nice old diesel 200D. And uh, I didn't know if I could leave it running overnight, but I knew I'd surely freeze if I didn't have heat. 
So I just didn't know what was the right call. If I, would I drive all the way back to Gdansk and then hope to find the place again? And maybe by that time, the brothers, you know, the train problem would be solved. And I just sat there and I just didn't know what to do. I didn't want to ruin the car. And I thought, okay, I'll try one more time. I drove around, I saw this one road I hadn't been down, and I start to drive down at the pavement stops and I realize it's the road to a farmhouse. And it starts getting narrower and narrower. And I'm thinking, okay, well, I gotta turn around, but the, it's too narrow, it's trees and a bank here and a fence here, and I'm, I'm, I'm just driving down it to find a place to turn around, and here comes a little Polsky Fiat 250, those little tiny cars. And uh, how are we going to get past each other? So he's going way over there to the side, and I'm going way over the fence. And then it dawns on me, why don't I ask him about the, the address? So he turns his light on. He's got these great big Coke bottle glasses. And I turn mine on, and I'm, you know, like Dobridan and Prosa, uh, you know, address. And he like can't see it, and he puts his glass, tries to read, and he says, give me, the, give me the box. And then he says, no, 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 no. And he puts the box there, and he says, Jankuya, and he goes, phew. And I have to turn around, so I'm trying to make this 3.5.8 point turnaround in my car, and his taillights are getting farther and farther away. And, uh, you know, in Polish, no is like, like, yeah. So it's, you know, the translators will say, no, yes. You know, first they'll say no like they do in Polish, and then they'll say, you know those things, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> the taillights are getting away, and I'm like trying to complete this, and I'm punching it, trying to catch him, and I'm barely keeping his headlights in my view. He goes down this hill, and then he goes into one of those underground garages. Uh, I'm barely, I'm glad I was on his tail, and so then I'm waiting, and nothing's happening, and I'm standing in front of the house, and I'm like, I guess I'm just going to have to go knock on the door, but no lights come on, and finally, light comes on, and he comes out on the porch, and I'm like, okay, I go up there, and like, okay, what's the story with the box, and we can't communicate, and he asks me if I want something to drink or something to eat, and uh, so we have tea and so a little cookies and things, and then he like asked me if I'm tired because we're doing sign language. And I'm like, yeah, well, I was just praying about, you know, sleeping, so I'm thinking, okay, this is, this is where I sleep, but I don't know this man from Adam. I'm like, I don't know what kind of guy this is. But I decide to trust him. He takes me upstairs. I go directly to bed. And when I get up in the morning, I go over to this little desk, and I realized that I'm, at a I'm in a believer's bedroom. This desk, this desk is, you know, we've got the Bible there and a few little things. And I punch on the music, and I hear for the first time ever in English, because I've been out of the country for a long time, I hear, as a deer panteth for the water, so my heart panteth after you. And I am having a, just a wonderful time in the Lord, you know. And... Uh, I'll always, you know, that song's always so touching to me. So I go downstairs. Well, the other brothers had come in in the night, and um, my translators, Brother, Brother Charik and this Brother Wojtek. And so 
Wojtek is telling me through Chark when he came home, he's telling me what his father said, and his father is communist and agnostic or atheistic, you know, communism, they don't believe in God, and God is a crutch. Like, if you have to have faith in something, you're not a strong human. Like, you know, develop your mind and your body and be strong and serve the country and any of this religious stuff, that's weakness. So, he, Wojtek starts telling me through Charik, he said, I came home, he said, my father said to me, he said, Wojtek, he said, you know, I get the milk every Saturday. For how many years do I get the milk on Saturday? And he said, last night, I was watching television, and he said, something tells me, go get the milk, maybe they go someplace tomorrow. And he said, I, I, he said, Wojtek, I was in my slippers. He said, I got up from the TV, I went to go get the milk. He said, it was so strange, Wojtek. He said, Wojtek's his son. He says, Wojtek, it was like God. And Wojtek said, I've never heard my father say God before in his life. And so I think you figured it out by then, by now, that I went down that road and it was Wojtek's, the, 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 package was for Wojtek, and that was his dad. So when I gave him the thing, he just looked at his address, and he said, yeah, you know, got it. Like, thank you for the package, and he put it down. But I never put that together. I thought, where is he going with my box? You know, like, hey, come back here with my box. But I saw how that the Lord watches over his word. And for years and years, I would to God that I could say that I saw mighty miracles and healings. I'll be honest, I, I've longed for that the years I've gone. But there's always been just such things like that over and over again that only God can do that. So just one more from the last trip. So I have these brothers, we were in a certain town, and we, we, the other brother wasn't home. We came down this, this street, and I, I was telling them a very sad story about a translator that translated for me years ago, young man, and he says to me in the car, he, he, we're going to different churches all over the country, uh, and now these aren't message churches. These are just Pentecostal or whatever they are. And... Uh, he says to me in the car, he says, I want a wife like you're talking about. And I said, Michael, man, stick with me. We'll preach her into existence. And, but a pastor came and got him to go to America to a Bible college. And he went there. He married a girl, pretty worldly Christian girl. He came back. His wife left him in about a year, two years for her boss. He comes back to... Uh, Bulgaria, but he has now soured on the message of the hour because of his Bible school. So we, our relationship is just, we kind of lost that friendship. I hadn't seen him in a few years. So I'm on his street and I'm telling the brothers, I said, you know, he was really on, you know, he seemed like a real genuine guy and it's too bad. And I said, yeah, he lived, and I'm looking three stories up on the flat, and I said, I think it's that this corner of the building or 
or over there, I can't remember which one. I said, but too bad I couldn't remember his apartment number. I give him these Christmas, Christmas pack. We had the three messages of Brother Bram Christmas uh, titles. And we were given away at Christmas time this year. And I, I said, yeah, I, I don't know if it's that one or that one. And I just started going. And as I start going, bam, bam, bam on the window. And it's him. And he had just been looking out the window at that moment and saw me down in the car and went like lightning down his stairs to the car. And he said, man, I want to see you again. I want to talk. So anyway, we went to his house once, and then he asked us to come again. And one night, his mother is holiness Pentecostal, and he's been going to this Baptist college. And his mother wants to talk about, like, healing and, you know, supernatural things. And he wants to talk about, you know, fanaticism and, you know, like he's putting the brakes on. And finally we get into the discussion what the difference between Pentecostalism and the Baptist and the Pentecost. And we get to talking about it. We end up on that story in Houston of Reverend Best and Brother Branham and what the issue was there. And, and Brother Bosworth talking about divine healing, and finally, you know, that's where the photograph was taken. So anyway, we leave his house, he comes out in the hallway, and he says, he says, I said some very harsh things, because I didn't know. And I was expecting him to say, but, you know, but you are in a cult, or, you know, I was just expecting the but, and there was no but. And he said, I said harsh things because I didn't know, but I would like us to have more fellowship. And I thought, man, you know, just a nice spirit, and, and does God give second chances? I believe he does. I've had a lot of times in my life when I wanted God to give me another chance. Every time you fall down, Aren't you asking the Lord to help you get up? Would you like to stand together? Should I, should we start closing out? But I'm starting to learn in my life to step out, to just step out there by faith. You're going to have to just it's, it, it's a dark age and a lot of fear and anxiety everywhere. Yeah. And we're going to have to be bold. Mm-hmm. We're just going to have to really be bold mm-hmm. in the Lord and we're not surrendering anything Amen. to any kind of religious spirit. Could you play a little chorus for us and maybe we'll have a word of prayer and then I'll uh, leave the service. I've been so proud of this message and this gospel. I can go anywhere in the world and be proud of my Jesus, proud of his messenger, proud of his word. I can know in my heart 
I understand pastors are a little afraid of. I understand that. But it's so wonderful to know that what I'm bringing is going to be a blessing to your church. Such a blessing to know that we don't have any organization that we got somebody to join. We don't got no program where we want to put stuff in a newspaper or a TV show. My, isn't that wonderful? Isn't it wonderful the way that you feel toward God? Lord, I don't have to be a big shot. I don't have to be anybody. I just, I just want what you want, Lord. I want you and me to be happy. I want our family to be happy. I want to be at peace knowing that I've given you my best. It isn't hard. It's really not hard. Do your best. That's all he expects of you. Just try your best. If you fall down, there's forgiveness. If you get hurt, there's healing. There's so much healing that Paul could finally get to a place. Death, where is your sin? Where sin? Death, where is your victory? There's no sting anymore. Let's just pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you. Never for one moment, Lord, are we trusting our own ability to discern, to, to know about all these religious spirits. And never do we feign that we have some gift like Brother Branham that we have a way of knowing as if we've had a vision or you've spoke lip to ear. We don't have that, Lord. We just have you. We have your spirit living in us. The spirit that you put in us that cries, Abba, Father. And you promised us, you gave us your word that you'd lead us. That inside teacher would lead us and guide us into all truth. We're hanging our very souls on it and we're happy about it. We're so content and happy in you, Lord. We love you tonight. We thank you for our Wednesday night. We commit ourselves afresh unto you in Jesus' name. What are you playing, sis? Oh, I should have recognized that. Uh,